Hello. This is the second and final, final part of success strategies for professional women. And it's about me, my tips and strategies for success and how I achieved C-suite and board level positions in my career. I was watching the Robbie Williams documentary on Netflix the other day. I was a huge fan in the 90s. And one of the things he said at the outset really hit home. The past has me in a headlock. Now, whilst I'm not a global pop star, my past definitely influenced my journey and initially informed my career drivers. And there are elements of my past that I still haven't managed to square off. As a rule, I don't overshare, but I did give a little away once when recounting my brand's story. I had what might be described as a disadvantaged childhood. In fact, by today's standards, myself and my sister would probably be classed as vulnerable. We had very little money as a family. My mum was a single parent and in the absence of any significant financial support from my absent father, the CSA didn't exist back then, she had to work full time. This meant my sister and I had front door keys from the age of seven and were left pretty much to our own devices after school and during the holidays. As a result, we both developed a dislike of authority and rules. We took risks, which for us were normal, but horrified other parents. Two up on a bike down the main A5 in Shrewsbury were standards as a route to and from school. Mum never knew any of this, of course, and we didn't consider the safety aspects. It was just something we did. We learnt to take decisions, improvise and adapt as required. These childhood experiences instilled two drivers in me. One was a fierce sense of independence and the second was a fear of not having enough money. And they've played out over the course of my 25-year career where I oscillated between a desire to be financially secure and not to have to answer to anyone. And the two rarely go together. So no great surprise that I was drawn to self-employment on numerous occasions only to be pulled back into full-time employ when offered the security of a monthly salary. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, and when I look back at those particular drivers, I can also see how they shaped and informed the early part of my career. The dislike of authority proved to be a challenge. For me, the idea of kowtowing and sucking up to people in positions of authority, i.e. senior managers, bosses, CEOs, was a total anathema. I sneered at those who were always hovering around the MD's office trying to get a minute with the boss. I remember occasions when I worked in Leeds and the bigwigs were arriving from London. We had to make sure the office was tidy, that we all looked busy because clearly we were bored most of the time. Presentations had to be prepared, lunch was put on in the boardroom. It didn't present a true picture of agency life. It was about impressing rather than being authentic. And that's the part that stuck in my throat. I didn't feel the need to impress. I figured that being damn good at what I did would be sufficient. I assumed competence would trump visibility and relationship building. But I was very, very wrong. Time and again, I was passed over for promotion because I didn't play the game as I saw it. And with the benefit of years of experience, I now know that those who I deemed were sucking up were actually ensuring they were visible to the people who made decisions about their career. They wanted their ideas heard, their agendas front of mind. They knew that whether they liked the MD or not was neither here nor there. 
Career progression counted on that relationship being fit for purpose. It sounds horribly manufactured and disingenuous, but it's a fact of corporate life. I achieved what I achieved largely from either moving from agency to agency, which I did a lot, or finding allies and advocates who would fight my cause when I couldn't or wouldn't. And in taking this stance, I made my life very difficult. So here's the tip. Work out who you need on site, who can influence your advancement, but more importantly, who has the power to make decisions about your future career, because believe me, they might be two different people. In building these relationships, you can manage the opinions that are being formed about you. Your reputation and what people think about you can have a big impact on what you do and where you end up. My nonconformist approach ultimately led to a reputation of being difficult to manage, outspoken, a bit of a loose cannon. I had attitude. I don't have a problem with any of those labels. It's who I am. Besides, it's easy to be deemed difficult if you're a woman with a contrary opinion. However, I also had a reputation for achieving results. I was deemed a force, someone who got things done, took on challenges, made tough calls. This made me a decisive leader, a calculated risk taker and a change agent. Someone who backed their team rather than toe the line. Not everyone's cup of tea, admittedly, but nonetheless effective. I was hired into several roles based on this reputation alone. So that's my second tip. Be known for something. Build your professional reputation on an authentic platform, one that is natural to you. Because trying to be something you're not is the quickest way to burn out. Identifying your platform is all about knowing your true strengths and combining these with your values and drivers. These are the fundamentals of your personal brand. Understanding these creates the parameters for decision-making, so you behave consistently and with integrity. In coaching conversations, when I ask about strengths, I hear good with people, loyal, determined, can do. And these are brilliant strengths, but the part that's missing is, so what? What do these strengths mean in terms of your decisions, behaviours and impact? Once you unearth those, you can create your unique brand platform. For me, the combination of contrarian, meets get shit done, resulted in my professional reputation for achieving results by provoking change and thinking, doing things differently. So strategy three, unpack your real strengths and true values. Take time to reflect on your principles, those you won't compromise on. If you're job hunting, search out those brands who share those values. If you're in a job but going nowhere and feeling dissatisfied, consider if that's because your particular blend of strengths aren't valued within the culture where you work. Number four is get comfortable taking risks and overcoming fear of failure. No one sets out to fail when growing a business or beginning their career. It's human to resist taking risks and avoid disruption at all costs if we feel we might fail. It's called self-protection and the chimp side of our brain is wired to protect us from vulnerability. That's what used to get us eaten. But the fact is, achieving success almost always involves taking a risk or ten. Nothing ventured, nothing gained is an absolute truth. Taking risks involves 
embracing uncertainty and change. You need to let go of certainty and try not to overplan the outcome or overanalyze what might happen. Rather, go with the flow and evolve. Once you unlock this mindset, you'll prove to yourself time and again that you can do it and taking risks becomes less of a challenge. Oprah Winfrey is famously quoted as saying, there's no such thing as failure if you learnt something. And she's right. It's about failing forward. Reframing what could be perceived as a failure as an opportunity. For example, my previous two attempts at running my own business both failed for good reason, but they were also huge learning opportunities. Those so-called failures didn't stop me creating First Woman. They taught me what I needed to have in place to thrive and succeed. Here's a bit of recent feedback from one of my clients who was existing in the shadow of her boss and resistant to taking the lead for fear of failure. Hi Mel, hope you're well. I just wanted to let you know that I delivered the workshop I wrote myself. It was a great success and it might have opened up some new work too. Thanks again for your support to empower me and feel comfortable taking on that challenge. So failure is a way to quickly identify your strengths and weaknesses and learn from them. You can choose to get back in the saddle and become more resilient, or you can choose to let your failure define you and give up. If you choose the saddle, you have the opportunity to show to those that matter what you're made of, and you build resilience and wisdom. Plus, it provides valuable life experience to share with and help others. Having the ability to leverage and maximise from adversity and use it as fuel to move forward is a powerful leadership and indeed life skill. So no matter how big and hairy your career goals might be, you can become more comfortable taking risks with the right approach and mindset. Finally, having a growth formula. Personal branding is about having a future-facing brand and development plan that works for you. I often talk about my 10-year plan, which started in 2010 with a view to flipping from agency to client side and then moving on to some form of consultancy and doing my own thing for five years. I'm now at the end of that five-year period, hence the scaling back of First Woman. But if you're a senior female exec still looking for that lucrative career opportunity, then you're probably missing the most critical ingredient to securing your pathway to success, a growth formula. For me, it was defining and leveraging my personal brand, hence the need to unearth your values and drivers, unpack your strengths and build your professional reputation and amplify it through your brand. The growth formula translates into an intentional goal-driven strategy that will get you to where you want to be. Every career move and opportunity should be viewed through the lens of, will this help me get to where I want? then everything you do will be a stepping stone to the next opportunity. Luck is the meeting of planning an opportunity. You can make your own luck by being intentional and focused in your approach to your career development and not allowing yourself to be blown off course. It's not easy. We're often caught in the golden handcuffs of a secure monthly salary, working with people we like in a job we can easily do. The alternative is pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, taking risks, maybe making the odd mistake, but ultimately the result is that we grow. Discover that it wasn't as tough as we thought and that builds resilience and confidence to take the next upward step. 
So those are my five tips. In summary, don't rate competence above visibility, build professional relationships and network with those who can help you succeed, be known for something that is evidenced by your strengths and values, get comfy taking risks and find your own growth formula, whatever that might be. I mentioned that I'm at the end of my latest five-year plan. As such, I will be scaling back First Woman in 2024 as I concentrate less on work and more on travel, staying fit, healthy and mobile as I've sustained a few injuries this year. This means I'll be posting less on LinkedIn and not actively looking for new clients, but I'll still be here for private coaching opportunities through referrals and when I need to be. So thank you for listening to the Success Strategies podcast this year. Whether you're one of the 50 regulars or this is your first time, it matters not. I wish everyone a very happy Christmas and, of course, a successful and prosperous New Year.